This is John Williams reaching out to our old friend Thomas Jefferson. President Jefferson, are you there? Yes, good day to you, citizen. Well, it's so good to hear your voice, and it's good to hear it just like that. I talked to Teddy Roosevelt recently, and for that matter, I've been listening to Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and to hear sort of the measured, rational tones of of even you saying good day, citizen, makes me feel good, Thomas Jefferson. Well, I was an exemplar of the Enlightenment, and my view was that I was not a particularly important human being. And I actually once made a list of what might have been different, if anything, had I never been born. And, you know, I really couldn't, I couldn't devise a significant contribution that I had made that would not have been made by Mr. Madison or Benjamin Franklin or John Adams had I never appeared on the national scene. And the only thing that I eventually determined that I had done, which might be not unique, but but uniquely mine, was the Virginia Statute for Religious Liberty that disestablished the Church of England in Virginia and said that men are free to worship the God of their choice without civil reward or civil penalty. But that's that's the only thing, I think, that I contributed to American life that might not otherwise have been there. Well, that is certainly lasting, but what a bizarre list. Why would anybody sit down and make a list of how the world would be different if they had never been born? Were you having a bad day that day? No, certainly not, but the the people were constantly calling upon me to serve in the Virginia House of Delegates or to be the governor during the Revolutionary War, and then I was Secretary of State and Ambassador to France and eventually Vice President, and, and for two terms, the President of the United States. And you know, I know this will sound inauthentic, perhaps, but I, I didn't really want any of those jobs. I loved my life at Monticello as a gardener and a farmer and a reader of books, and I felt compromised every time I was called away from the gardens in the Blue Ridge Mountains to some faraway capital to to make enemies and be abused by people who had never met me or, or knew anything really about me. Politics is such a disagreeable business, and I preferred the tranquil joys of, of an agrarian life. But I was constantly being called into these public arenas, and I had no political ambition that I can really discern in myself. So I, I kept asking myself, why do they want me? What have I contributed that is significant enough for the citizens of Virginia or the United States to call me out of joyful retirement into the disagreeable world of politics? You should have built a huge skyscraper and put your name across it right on the Chicago River, and it would have said Jefferson, and we would have golden palaces with your name on it. That would have been awesome. Jefferson Steaks, Jefferson Wine. That would have been awesome. Well, Jefferson Wine makes some sense because I was probably the most serious wine aficionado in the United States. I I tried to grow grapes at Monticello. I was never very successful, but I was the wine advisor. Mm-hmm. to the other four of the first five presidents, and I knew a fair amount about that. So I'm not very Hamiltonian. I doubt that I could have packaged wine and shipped it around the country, and I certainly would not have built a skyscraper. Uh, anything without a dome strikes me as vulgar. But I <laughs> but... do think that perhaps wine would be the area where I might have prospered had I chosen to. 
Right, right. Uh, just back to the list thing for a second, though. It did seem that the founding fathers were introspective that way, and were always making lists. Franklin had lists and sort of um, ideas about how people should live their lives, and, and you got caught up in that. George Washington had a list of virtues or um, things that he wanted to do to make himself a better person. I, I, maybe people do that today, but I don't know many people who do. Well, they should do more of it. You know, Franklin... Uh, made a list of, of virtues and realized that he he didn't always practice them. And so he would cycle through them. And one week it would be temperance, and the next week it would be humility or silence. Uh, the third week it would be industry, and he, and he would go through them systematically. And then the ones that he was weakest at, he would go through more often. And mm. it made him the most delightful of all Americans, our first world citizen. And George Washington, as a young man, realized that he had a terrible temper. I mean, it was really a volcanic temper. And he knew that he could never succeed either in the army or in private life if he didn't overcome it. So he made a catechism and he and he self-consciously worked on his character uh, by writing lists of things that he admired in himself and things that he did not. And it changed him. It, it, it made him the most important of all Americans and a person who will be remembered in history as long as liberty is admired in the world. And if they, if those two hadn't done that, they might just have been regular colonial human beings who never then achieved greatness for themselves or mm -hmm, freedom mm -hmm. for their, their fellow countrymen. So I believe these little catechisms um, self-reflection, you know, looking in the mirror of our souls from time to time and trying to improve ourselves. These are these are very important things to do. Boy, they should make a musical about that uh, George Washington, eh? <laughs> I mean, think about that. If we can if we can sell out Hamilton for weeks on end, boy, a Jeff or a, a Washington show that would really go, don't you think? Well, he, you know, he was a sort of wooden character. One of the problems with Washington is that he, in your time, he appears to be sort of stiff. And uh, maybe a little on the pompous side and not very human. That's not true of him, but that's certainly his historical reputation. But if you had some hip-hop music attached to his time in the French and Indian War or one of his levies as president, if you, if you made songs out of some of the events of his time, the Nootka Sound crisis with Spain and Britain out on the far western Pacific coast, uh, this might this might be moderately popular. Well, him leading the Revolutionary War, crossing the Potomac, he's got doubt, but he's got to go do the thing that's right for America. And so then he leads, and blah, you know, there's not enough money and supplies, and he's petitioning Congress, and he's anguished and tortured. And then at the end, you know, you know the story. That would, uh, I boy, that sounds like a big story to me, huh? Well, this is perhaps your path to to financial success. <laughs> You could write, you could write this musical. Uh, yeah, I couldn't, but it ain't broadcasting. I'll tell you that. Speaking of financial success, um, in the last month, a letter was found that you wrote to someone. I'm sorry, I don't remember exactly who, but I believe it might have just been a, a citizen. And right. in it, you went in some detail for pages railing against England and how you didn't like them and the king and the way the colonies were being treated. Anyway, that thing was sold on auction for over $320,000. $320,000 for, your, for we, a letter. Here's where I made my biggest mistake. 
in terms of my private finances. I do not believe in trademarks or patents. I said he who takes an idea from me informs himself without disinforming me, just as he who lights his torch from my candle illuminates himself without darkening me. And so I was very skeptical about intellectual property. But if I had been more Hamiltonian in this respect, I could I could justly claim a percentage of the profits for the sale of this letter. And I died a hundred and eight thousand dollars in debt in eighteen twenty six. That would be millions and millions of dollars in your time. So some percentage of these wine bottles that they find from time to time or a letter that turns up in an attic about nothing in particular, some of that could have saved Monticello. Oh yeah, well and just to I mean maybe close this conversation about your brand. I mean, uh, Jefferson pens, um, I don't know, Jefferson glasses, uh, Jefferson uh, wine. Uh, a wine maybe, dumbwaiter. Uh, you did make that. Uh, you know, it was kind I had of a, a wine dumbwaiter that brought bottles of wine up from the cellar. I had a, a calendar clock that not only told the time of the day, but the day of the week. I, I had gimcracks, I called them, of a, of a variety of sorts. And I had a three-legged stool that would fold up. And so when I was walking to, to observe the building of the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, I could take that little stool and take it down the mountain on a horse and then deploy it in oh, a man. tripodic way and they then would sit sell, on it. They would sell that at Ikea, and it would have you, they'd have a whole little area with the Jefferson brand. Listen to you. You're, you're starting to sound almost enthusiastic about this kind of uh, commercializing your name. That's not my enthusiasm, sir. My enthusiasm is for the amelioration of the condition of mankind. What if we could get these <laughs> these useful products in the right. hands of everyone right. yeah. that would help them lead slightly happier lives? Hmm. Yeah, you know what? Uh, another Speaking of intellectual property, you um, did not maybe coin the phrase, but we attribute it to you, separation of church and state. You yes. know, those sorts of things are, you know, common phrases like that are in our era, owned by the individuals that coined them. You could have owned separation of church and state, quote-unquote. Well, of course, I'm against that idea. First of all, these, these, these coinages were not mine in particular. You know, take life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I didn't create that phrase. I borrowed it from John Locke. If we start to patent or to trademark people's phraseology, uh, there will be very little left that has not been commercialized in life. You know, I will say this. I regard value as that which cannot be commercialized. Think of that. What is really valuable in the world is that which cannot be monetized in any way. Hmm. Well, on that thought, we're going to let you go, although we will see you on the stage with us in the Chicago area, again at the College of DuPage, um, the first couple weeks of uh, November, right around the election time. I'm most and, eager for that conversation. Let's talk about the nature of human inventiveness and the amelioration of the condition of mankind. Not exactly sure what that is, but yeah, we'll absolutely talk about that. We'll also end up talking about the elections. So we'll, as Joe Biden once famously said, gird our loins and visit with you again in November. <laughs> I am now am blushing, sir. 